you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. This show exists to help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into this show. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Ushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. super short and sweet. This series, the Creative Side Quest series is promoting the podcast, no, the Kickstarter that we're doing to reprint the Creative Career Path handbooks. It's my seven-step process for striking a your creative career sweet spot. Go check it out at kickstarter.com. Uh, search Creative Career Path and it'll come up or go to creativepeptalk.com and look in the show notes for the link to the Kickstarter We are crushing it. I asked for $3,500. We're almost at $16,000 and we're only halfway through. This thing has been insane and it has just been the craziest thing ever. We're going to add some t-shirt options. We we hit the stretch goal. We're going to go full color and we're going to have 12 pages of bonus content. Thank you guys so much for all the love and support. Um, I hope you guys love this thing. Go check it out. Thank you. Last time on Creative Pep Talk. So, we've been doing the Creative Side Quest series for two episodes. This is episode three. What is a creative side quest? Well, do you know what a creative side project is? It's a DIY, self-initiated project that nobody else is asking you to do that you do to develop your creativity. 
And actually, I think that it's incredibly important that at times in your career, there are, you really need to kind of research and develop your creativity and you need to do projects where you don't know what's going to happen and you're just exploring and discovering and all that. But if a side project is ideal for developing your creativity, a side quest is ideal for developing your creative career. It's a career development tool. And it's essentially the idea of doing a side project, you know, something that has a, a specific beginning, a specific end, a specific, specific parameters, doing a side project that adds in layers of business and marketing strategy. And I've found that if you add these four layers of strategy, that a side quest is the ultimate tool for both developing product market fit, as they would say in marketing, or marketable work, a product, a, 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 a type of work that is actually in demand, that there's actually money in, that, that people actually need, both developing a portfolio of work like that, as well as marketing your work. It's kind of two birds, one stone kind of thing. If you will do a side quest properly, if you will add these four layers, it will not only help you develop marketable work, but it'll also market your work. It'll be the most effective marketing tool that you can use in this day and age where things are very noisy and people are sick of being sold. I believe a creative side quest is your answer to that. So that's what the series is about. Two episodes ago, I introduced the fact that we're going to use Zelda Breath of the Wild on Nintendo Switch, available everywhere now, uh, and I, that's the ad that I put in so they don't sue me. Nintendo, I'm getting people to play your game, okay? I think I'm getting people more excited about Zelda than I am their creative careers at this point, which I don't, <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. I feel okay. I'm super passionate about Zelda, but we're using Zelda as a metaphor throughout the side quest series. Uh, and two episodes ago, we introduced that, introduced why um, we're doing that. And uh, the thing about Zelda Breath of the Wild, if you don't know what that game is, by the way, it is a hero's journey game where you are the chosen one. You are Link. And you are there to save Hyrule from Ganon. Ganon's the ultimate bad guy. And the thing about Breath of the Wild is that it's that this version, the new version of Zelda, you can, it's an open world. You can go straight to Ganon right from the beginning of the game. However, if you do that, you're going to get your butt spanked because you suck at the beginning without doing side quests. And the same goes for your creative career. You are not gonna be able to take down Pixar, uh, New York Times, Nike, whatever it is, getting that record deal, getting that publisher, if you don't first go on these side quests to develop your portfolio and have it spread and get some organic reach. If you go straight to Gannon, you're gonna get your butt spanked. And I just spanked my own butt. Sorry to get so graphic, uh, but, but, uh, but that's what's going to happen. And in two episodes ago, we talked about that. The second episode, we talked about how the first layer of strategy you need is to tailor your work to the boss that you're trying to take down. You need the master sword to take down Ganon. You need an ice rod to take down a fire spirit. And you have to tailor the work that you do in your side quest. If you want, meaning 
If you want to get book cover design jobs, your side quest should be about designing book covers, right? Seems obvious. It's not that obvious. At least it wasn't for me for years. Go listen to episode two if you want to hear more about that. In this episode, we're going to talk about the second layer of strategy that you need to add to your side project to elevate it and transform it into a creative side quest. But the thir- second thing you got to add is generosity. Your, you need to add You need to make your side quest a generous offering for your audience. The more generous it is, the more likely that you're going to prove that you are the person for the job, the, the woman or man for the job, and also the more likely it's going to spread organically through word of mouth. What does it mean to make generous creative work? What is a generous creative side quest? That's what this episode's about. Let's do it. So what does it mean to make generous, creative work? Uh, Let's talk about that. Let's start by talking about generosity as it plays out in Zelda Breath of the Wild. So here's the deal. In Zelda Breath of the Wild, one of the main side quests is conquering these 120 shrines and when you conquer a shrine, you get a spirit orb. <laughs> I feel like I'm sat across the table trying to explain Settlers of Catan, which I hate trying a new game and trying to explain it to somebody. It's just the worst, so I'm sorry about that aspect of explaining this to you. But essentially, you gather these spirit orbs, you, make, you give them as a generous offering to the goddess of Hylia, and when you give away, you work hard to get these, this, these spirit orbs and give this generous offering. And in return, you get a heart container. So Link gets more life for doing this, a bigger capacity of life. You get heart containers for your generous offering. And it's not unlike the goddess of Instagram. So, so I found that the better I am at giving away generous offerings through my creative work up to the goddess of Instagram, the more likely I'm going to get lots and lots of heart containers, a.k.a. likes. I feel like anytime, by the way, that we're talking about likes on Instagram or Instagram or social media or whatever – Everybody gets so bent out of shape, and I get it. It's not, I'm not saying that likes on Instagram are everything, but they are a thing. They are a metric. There's something I think, I think you should take social media extremely seriously. And I think that if you can create generous content for social media, it will tremendously benefit your ability to prove that you're the best for the job because guess what these these uh these record labels and publishers and you know whatever whether you like it or not they're seeing how people are responding to you online before they take a risk and that doesn't mean millions of followers or millions of likes it just means uh seeing that people are responding to what you're doing and i've found that the better i am the 
the better I am at giving away generous creative work, like real giving away free value through my work. We're going to talk about what value means. You know, laughs, cries, feelings, learning stuff, bonding, acquiring, collecting, all these, this type of value. The better I am at really uh, commanding value, like I'm in control of delivering this value, the better I am at doing it, the more heart containers I get and the more I prove that I'm the one for the job. And, uh, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. How do you get good at delivering the goods? And you know, I think that this is going to maybe step on a few toes and I apologize, but I want to just say, first of all, I'm not saying that creativity that uh, gives away generous offerings to others is the only valid type of creativity. I'm just saying that you can't build a thriving creative career if you're not giving away something of value consistently because that's a business. A business is the trading of value for money. And if you want to get into business, if you want to have a career at this creative thing, you've got to figure out how to consistently deliver the goods, deliver generous offering. That's what business is all about. And in fact, I think I'd like to just challenge some ideas of what I think is maybe toxic creative mythology around what it means to be an artist, because I think that Art is this only thing where we think for some reason the only pure type of creativity is about you, for you, you know, expressing you and having nothing to do with anybody else. And I'm not really sure exactly why that is. And I think actually it's a, a dual way of thinking, a binary way of thinking about something that's much more a narrative, a story. And we're going to, I'm going to talk about that at the end, but you know, essentially if you think of your creativity as a gift, as Jim Henson did, as James Victoria does, as uh, you know, there's even a whole book called the gift about creativity. I, I can't think of what it is off the top of my head. If I can find it, I'll put it in the show notes. But essentially if you think of your creativity as a gift, Who's that gift for? Is it given from the gods to you as a gift? Or is it giving, given to you as something to steward and channel this divine creative energy through you to other people, to give it away as a gift to other people? And I think about it like being a superhero. Is that if you've got something really, really strange about you uh, and, it, and it helps other people, then it's a superpower. Like the fact that um, Clark Kent can see through walls and he uses it for the benefit of other people, we call it a superpower. But if he was just using that x-ray vision for his own nasty uh, behavior, we wouldn't call it a superpower at all. We'd call it a super abnormality. We might even lock him up. He'd definitely be in trouble these days for sure. I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> Superman, you dirty person. Uh, <laughs> and actually, you know, I have something really weird about me. I can't, I don't have x-ray vision, but I do have double jointed elbows. I can bend my arm backwards. It's quite gross. I try not to do it because it, you know, scares, 
small children when I do it. Uh, but I can bend my arms backwards. And in fact, I'll tell you a little story about that. When I was in middle school, I got into a lot of trouble when I was in middle school. Never so much, I only got into so much trouble like one or two times, maybe twice where I actually got detention. Like I was always very cute and friendly to the teachers and they usually liked me, but there was this one time where I pushed it too far and I got detention. And uh, this is what I did. I had an idea to use my superpower for the good of my classmates for a laugh. I thought it was a pure endeavor. In fact, it wasn't. I told my friend, I said, listen, I'm going to go walk up behind Mrs. Graham. When I get right behind her, I want you to call out her name and ask her to please come over really quickly, right when I get behind her chair. And it was my friend, Matt Langworthy. Sup, Matt? I know you don't listen to this podcast. What are you, what are you so busy doing, Matt, that you can't even check out your middle school buddy's podcast? Anyway, I go behind Mrs. Graham's chair. Matt says, Mrs. Graham, Mrs. Graham, come over. She pulls out her chair, pushes back super fast from her desk. I bump into the back of her chair like she's actually run into me. And I bend my arm all the way backwards. You can't see it, but I'm doing it right now. And I said, oh, oh, oh my God. Ah, call the nurse. Ah. And she's looking at my arm twi twisted backwards. And she says, okay, okay, go down to the nurse. And I said, ah, just kidding. I'm just double jointed. And she said, Andy, go down to the principal's office. Anyway, that was one of the only times I got detention. I took it too far. But the fact of the matter is, the fact that I can bend my arm backwards, just if I'm using it for my own, <laughs> there's no real good uses for anybody else, to be honest. But that weird thing, it's not a superpower, because it doesn't help anybody. You could argue that it hurts some people, and it's just an abnormality. And if your creativity isn't a generous offering, if it's not helping anybody else, it's not a superpower because we're social animals. And I believe at least that we're here for other people's good. And even if you don't believe that, business is about providing value for other people. And if you can't figure out how to do that consistently with your creativity, you cannot build a thriving creative career unless it just happens like a lottery and you get it on accident. But barring that, unforeseen incident occurring, you're going to have to figure out how to offer this generous offering up to the goddess of Instagram and, and creativity and get those heart containers, baby. So let's talk about why it's so essential. So there are three problems that making your side project generous and transforming it into a creative side quest will solve for you. Three major problems that you're facing that you need to solve to build a thriving creative career. The first one is the problem of needing a target to get good. So, the thing that happens when you start focusing in on the type of value that you want to give away, whether that, you know, and we're going to talk about types of value so that you can really precisely target this thing that you're trying to do so you can get good. We're going to talk about what they, some of those are in a minute, whether it's making someone laugh, giving away a laugh, giving away a cry, giving away, you know, nostalgia, giving away 
learning a new fact. Give, you know, there's all these different things you can learn, you can give away with your creativity. And uh, if you figure out which ones you want to focus on getting good at uh, delivering, it creates a target for you to shoot at. And when you have the target, you can systematically improve your creativity. If I told you, I want you to be the best at dunking bread into cheese fondue, <laughs> you might say, what, does, what do you mean by best? What is a good dunking of bread into cheese fondue? Does it mean I can get the most amount of cheese onto the bread? Or is it about getting the right ratio of bread to cheese? Now, it's a subjective, you know, what the right ratio is. You know, <laughs> that's subjective. But, but essentially, you've, you, as soon as I say, do the best job at this subjective thing, you're going to say, what do you mean by the best? What do you mean by good? You have to define what it means to be good. And then once you have that definition, once you have that bullseye, you can start practicing and actually improving, right? Um, so, jeez, <laughs> fondue. But for instance, this is why I think comedians are the ultimate uh, masters of the creative career because they're doing creativity with actual results. Yes, it's still subjective. Some people find some comedians funnier than others, but ultimately uh, a comedian can only survive if they win this meritocracy, if they get a large group of people to think that they're hilarious consistently. That's how they build a thriving creative career. And how do they do it. Well, they do it because they know what they're shooting for. They know what their target is. They're, they know what their generous offering is. Laughs. They're trying to get laughs. And because of that, they can work against it. They can improve on it. They can actually get good. And if you don't know what you're trying to provide with your creativity, it's going to be really, really hard to improve, to get good, to prove that you're good. And so you identifying, these are the, this is, these are kind of my, uh, these are the things I want to deliver on. These are the things I want to get good at giving away with my creativity. If you can identify them, it will solve the problem of improving. And then the second thing it'll do, which is connected to that, is it will, if you're improving, you will be able to prove that you're good at it. And so the better you get at what you're doing, the more you'll be able to prove it with metrics, whether that's through social media, whether that's through sales, whatever, it doesn't even matter. And it doesn't even have to be, you know, I know people with uh, a 10th of my social media following that earn 10 times more money than I earn. I don't know if those numbers check out, but it's, there's something true in that. Uh, I know people that earn a lot more money than me that don't have as big of a social media following as me. And then I know people that have way more uh, followers than I do that I'm assuming probably earn less than I do. And so it's not, it's not all about, you know, a follower isn't a follower isn't a follower. They're not all the same thing. But essentially, if you can 
get really good at getting laughs and show up into the club and get a ton of laughs to where the whole room is undeniably laughing, you have proved that you're good at this thing that those comedian bookers, people that book comics are looking for. People that are giving Netflix specials are good, are, uh, that you're good at doing that and they can hire you to do it, which means that you can solve that problem of showing the people that hire you that you have what it takes. And so here's the thing. I think that a lot of creativity in order for it to give away its generous offering, in order for it to actually have business value, something that people will pay for, it requires a collaboration of people, business people, you know, whatever. Like, you know, your editorial illustration, it needs an article and it needs to be part of a magazine. It's a, it's a, it's a part of a whole and the same goes for an actor. Like an actor can't just like act on the sidewalk and make a killing. You could be a mime, but I don't think a mime earns as much as, I don't know, Will Smith. <laughs> Where did I get that? Where did I pull that out of? But, but the point is, in order to make a thriving creative career, in order to give away true business value, true generous offering, you need to probably uh, put your creativity in a context. And if you create a personal project that gives away the true good, like if you don't just do an editorial illustration on its own, but you create a, a miniature magazine, a zine that has the articles and the brand and everything encapsulated into one, then that personal project, that side quest is seen in the greater context and you're able to, without anybody else giving you permission, prove that you've got what it takes through sheer, you know, volume of sales or, or getting it out there or just organic growth. People, you know, showing up on the radar of the people that want to um, hire you. Let me explain it like this because I feel like it's getting a little bit esoteric and abstract. So I'm just going to say it this way. I think uh, a lot of creative people are kind of half of a, a hibachi chef. I think it's like often the creativity is the show of the hibachi chef. You know what a hibachi chef is? You know, it's like, uh, you know, the, 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 this might be crass, but like it's, you know, the, the, the chain version is like Benihana, where it's the person behind the grill doing all these fancy knife tricks, doing the onion volcano, you know, throwing an egg and catching it in the pocket, throwing some shrimp and you catch it in your mouth. <laughs> I'm just imagining somebody who all of the things that I said didn't register what a hibachi grill was and it wasn't until I got maybe to the fifth of example of throwing a shrimp into someone's mouth they were like oh now I know what you're talking about that's why I had to give you so many examples because I <laughs> wasn't painting the picture clearly but um goodness gracious but essentially, I think that often, if you're an actor or you're an illustrator or you're a designer or whatever you are, often your generous offering only makes sense in the context of someone else's generous offering. And I think often it's kind of like going to a hibachi grill. These customers are really hungry. They're showing up for this uh, value and your creativity puts on a really fancy show, but then ultimately the chef eats all the dinner 
and the customers are still hungry. And that's why I think some creatives have a hard time building a following on the internet of general people instead of just, you know, being a comics comic or an illustrator's illustrator. Like, I think in order to really have uh, explosive growth, you've got to figure out how to give the whole meal, the show and the meal. And so if you're going to be an illustrator, an editorial illustrator, maybe you need to be someone who writes articles too. If you're going to be an actor, maybe you need to have a go or collaborate with a script writer and actually make a movie, even if it's just a short film. But essentially, if you can figure out how to give away the entire goods and prove that you're good at doing it, then you're more likely to get hired to do it. Does that make any sense to you? I wish you were a crowd of people that I could see so that you could say, yes, Andy, or no, we have no idea. I'm trying to be as clear as possible. But essentially, that'll solve your problem of getting good and proving that you're good. And then the third thing that it will help you solve is it will help spread the word organically so that the people that you want to be on the radar of will organically discover Organic. This is organic. <laughs> like it's a like a like an organic egg. <laughs> I, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Organically spread, like an organic butter that spreads organically. What? No. <laughs> what am I talking about? I'm sorry. Just listen. Hold on. I'm getting right back to the point. I have ADHD. It's a long. You know, I talk about it on every episode, but you already know that if you listen. Here's what I'm trying to tell you about this. Uh, if you give away free stuff that's really free, no strings attached, and it's really generous, people will tell people about it. And that's one of the best ways to instigate, instigate, great <laughs> spreading of your work. Okay, meaning that when I go outside of Home Depot and for some reason that day they're grilling up hot dogs, I eat a hot dog and I call my brother and I'm like, yo, bro, check it out, man. Home Depot got the dogs. And he's like, what? Home Depot got the dogs? I'm heading over there right now. And, you know, <laughs> that just means that. If Home Depot is giving away free hot dogs and they're good hot dogs, it's a real generous offering. I'm going to tell other people about it and other people are going to go to Home Depot. And the same goes for your personal projects, whether they're online or whether they're you know something you develop offline. If you're giving away the goods, people will tell other people about it. People, If you give away something really great, if someone sees your post on Instagram or they see it on Twitter or they see it on Facebook or, or YouTube or whatever and they actually laugh, if you give them the generous offering of a laugh, they will tag their friend because they love their friend and they want their friend to laugh. And in fact, if it's something about their, who they are and what their relationship is with another person, they will even tag someone else just to bond with that person. Now you're giving the, uh, the value of bonding with somebody through your creativity. Does that make sense? So, not only will it help you improve and prove that you're good, it will also help your work spread the more generous layers you can add to your side project. Okay, have I convinced you that you need to make a generous offering? with your creativity 
If not, I don't know what else to say. That's all I've got on that. But what I can tell you is now how to do it. How do you get good at doing that? What are, and I think it starts with understanding the types of business value that exist. You know, I think, uh, so there's a, there was this book called Drive by these two Harvard graduates. Uh, and I'll put a link to, the sh- to that book in the show notes. And then I read about this study, <clears throat> this, that book and the study that they did on core human drive uh, in the book Personal MBA by Josh Kaufman. And Personal MBA, it's a master's in business, if you don't know what that is. It's a business book. I'm reading business books. I'm just spelling it out for you just so you know how smart I am. So you trust me. I'm not that smart. I've worked myself into a weird corner. Anyway, here's what I'm telling you. I read about it in a big fancy book, and that's how I know it's true. And it's really helped me get better at adding generosity to my side quests. And here, here's what it is. It talks about there are five core human drives, the things that we all want, the things that we're all willing to pay for. These are the things that we will spend money on, the types of value we will trade dollars for. And there are five of them. It's feel, to feel something, to learn something, to bond with other people, to defend what we already have and love, and to acquire new things. These are the core human drives. Feel, learn, bond, defend, and acquire. And if you can give away values that speak to these core human drives with your artwork, if you can not only, if you can do it really, really well, you can get paid to do it. If you will give them away as a generous offering, three, if I say generous offering one more time, I give you full permission to give me one more chance, because I might say it one more time. But <laughs> if, you, if you give away feelings, if you make someone feel something with your work, if you make them cry, you know, physical response is best case scenario, like an, an emotional gut thing or tears in their eyes or laughter. If you can do that with your creativity, if you can give that generous thing away, I didn't say it, uh, then people will share it People will follow. People will engage. And you will have a generous thing on your hands. If you help them learn something, you know, we're curious creatures. If you do a side quest where you're teaching them new information week in, week out. You know, there's a book by Mike Lowry. Uh, I've got it here on my shelf. Maybe I can just go find it so that I can actually tell you what it is. I didn't plan on talking about it. Sometimes that's what I do on this show. I just kind of go. There it is. He sent it to me, so I'm just giving it a shout out. Mike Lowry, Random Illustrated Facts, a collection of curious, see, curiosity, people want to learn, weird and totally not boring things to know. That's a great example. He did a whole book of illustrating these facts. Why? Because people like to learn. If you speak to their, uh, and you can go actually niche down, tailor your project to the companies you want to work with. You know, if they're science companies, if they're fitness companies, you know, you can teach them things that you know through your creativity. What about bonding? What about it? Well, that's another thing you can do. And actually, I think a lot of creativity is about bonding with others. It's about 
you know, tribal bonding. Like we connect through this type of taste. Like I think a lot of fashion is about bonding with a certain group of people. It's about like self-expression. And I think a lot of self-expression is about uh, connecting with people that are like you. And so sometimes your creativity is a medium to do that, is a medium, a bridge between two people. Um, what about defending? You know, I think about protest art, right? Like um, people want to defend what they love. They want to defend what they believe in. You know, you can make art that speaks to, hey, we're this group. We're these people and we believe in this stuff. You know what I'm saying? And if you can articulate that and defend it and advocate for something with your creativity, that's a generous giveaway. I didn't say it again. The last thing you can do is people like to collect crap, okay? That's what they like to do. I'm, you know, here's the thing. A lot of people, you know, I've met a lot of creative people. They got good hearts and I'm down with that. And they're like, yo, I don't want to add to the pollution. And I'm for that. But if you're working at a corporate job and you're giving out memos that don't mean anything, I'm not saying some corporate memos are fine, but I am saying that, you know, what are you doing with your life that's so holy that you can't make a print on recycled paper that's actually a generous offering? I said it. I said it again. But I meant it that time. So people like to collect. I love to collect um, things that make me happy in my house. I just got all these. Uh, I shared it on Instagram today. I got all these uh, little Japanese folk art figures that are Japanese zodiac. And every time I look at them, I'm going to smile because I like to collect stuff like that. So people like to collect. Um, so those are the different things you can speak to. Now, your art, like I said before, might not be the ideal way of uh, delivering the full value. You know, you might, you might only be the show at the hibachi grill, but not the meal, like not what they eat. But you need to understand how does your creativity fit in with this value that we're trying to sell for business to build a creative career through. Like what is it that, pe- you know, when people buy a magazine that my illustrations are going to be in, what is it? What, what are they buying? Are they learning something? Are they feeling something? Are they bonding? Are they defending? Are they collecting? Are they doing a combination of these things? And even if your artwork doesn't pull it all off on its own, what is it in the equation of value deliverance? <laughs> what it sounds like gobbledygook. Let me try that one more time. I just jumped up in the air and I'm getting supercharged to get focused on telling you this. Maybe your creative work doesn't do any of these things on its own. Maybe you get hired as part of a an equation to deliver value. And I'm saying then your side quest needs to be figuring out either through collaboration or your own learning how to give away this value all together without anybody else's help. Because if you do that, you won't have to wait for Hagrid to come tell you you're a wizard. You'll be spitting out magic all day and no one will be able to deny it. And then they'll come to you. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's how you do it. I'm gonna give you some examples of what it looks like to give away generous offerings with your creativity. But those are the things you can speak to. 
Before I give you examples of how to embed deep layers, I don't know why I got low in my voice in this, but deep, generous layers. I'm talking about I'm talking about Chicago deep dish layers of generosity. Before I give you some examples on how to do that, I'm going to tell you where to start in terms of what types of uh, generosity should be should be giving, what types of value, which of these five things should you be baking into this deep dish of generosity. The first one is don't think of your talent. You know, don't think of, am I good at making people laugh? Am I good at making people cry? Am I good at at making people's teachings? Uh, Am I good at, like, don't think about talent. Think about taste. If you have a taste, if you have a sixth sense for what is funny, you'll figure out how to provide it. So think about your taste, not your talent. So Ira Glass in his video, The Gap, which if you haven't seen, I'm giving myself a lot of friggin' homework right now because I'm going to say, put it in the show notes, Andy. Put this link in the show notes. It's to a video. Ira Glass, host of This American Life, talking about The Gap between having good taste and actually making good work. But he says that Great artists always start with having good taste. It always starts with them knowing the difference between something good and something bad. And that's where it starts. And that's totally true. And then, in fact, uh, one of my favorite lessons on creativity and creative careers came from Gordon Ramsay, someone I'm a massive fan of. Um, He said to Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmel said, Gordon, what are you looking for? This is my Jimmy Kimmel impression. Uh, What are you looking for, Gordon? It's not an impression. In young chefs, what is the identifier that tells you this chef has a possibility of getting good? And he didn't say, uh, I thought he would say, you know, good at chopping onions. (laughs) I don't know what kinds of things that would identify someone as as a potential great chef. But he said something I didn't expect, and it was a good palate, a good tongue, good taste. If you can't tell, if you don't have a good taste for food, you can't make good food, right? And so it starts with your taste, not your talent. Because you can develop talent, you can develop skill, but you can't always develop a, a, you know, a, a taste for things. So when it comes to whether you're going to help people feel things, learn things, bond, whatever, you have to identify what kind of palate do you have? Do you know when, do you notice when something's funny? Do you know when something's funny? Do you know the difference between, some, do you have a good sense of humor? Or do you, are you a, are you really good at identifying when you've learned something? You know, that's something I, I feel like I can do is like when I learn something that's really novel or new or it feels like, ooh, that's like a fresh diamond of an idea, I notice it. I have a taste for new ideas. Um, so I like to teach and, and learn. Uh, and so I think I have a taste for that. And so I try to bake that into this podcast. That's part of my generous offering. So first thing you got to do is not look at your talent. Like, am I good at making people laugh? Or are you good at knowing what's funny? Like that's the even better starting point. So which of these do you have a taste for? Do you love bonding with people? Do you love collecting things? Do you, uh, you know, it's one of these, do you like defending people or things? So that's the first one. The second one is, uh, it's not just about your taste 
and it's also about your market. So in the market that you want to be in, what is the value that they're giving away? What are they selling? Are they selling a feeling? Are they selling bonding? Are they selling, you know, you have to identify why are people buying what you're selling, whether it, whether that's you working with the team or whether that's you selling it on your own, trying to get into the psychology of what it is are they what it is that they're paying for and that's how you'll identify which type of generosity you should bake into your side project to transform it into a side quest side quest so for me personally i have adhd and actually that means that i have a gene for novel like adhd people freaking hate boredom. They love new things, new ideas, new experiences. I love traveling. I'm desperate. You hear this universe? I'm desperate to go to Tokyo. If anybody, if anybody's listening, um, I'm desperate to go to Tokyo. I've never been there. I just want to go. You know, I want to go to Hong Kong. I want to go to, uh, I want to go travel to India. I want to go experience these places where every single thing is different. I just like new. I've got a taste for new stuff. And so I think that that filters into me always looking for the next fresh stuff going on, stuff that I've never seen and embedding that into my work. And I think when I do that, it's good at attention grabbing and it's good at um, stuff that feels fresh is good for advertising illustration. And so I, tr I actively try to do that. But I also have a taste for hope. I have a taste for uh, not being bored. I have a taste for melancholy. I have all of those things I build in my work. You know, creative pep talk, a lot of it is about my taste for learning new things about business, learning new things about creativity, and feeling hopeful for my future. Those are things I have a palette for, and I try to build, bake those into my side projects. So you ask yourself, observe yourself, what does your palette pick up on? Let's just talk a little examples so we can get on the tactical, practical, factual level of what does it actually look like to bake these types of offerings in to your creativity. If you are trying to build a fashion brand, if you're trying to use that kind of creativity with, uh, within the world of fashion, you know, start thinking about why, what, what's the value that people are buying into in terms of fashion. I think often it's about identity. It's about, um, it's about bonding with people that are into fashion, being part of that crowd. So how do you, how can you bake that in? Maybe sometimes it's about feeling like the feeling of a novel idea, the feeling of something fresh. It's about the, the, the core human drive to acquire new things. It's, uh, it can be about, you know, even the, curiosity to learn something like some people want to get into fashion to learn about what's the cutting edge what's the next thing it's their curiosity and you can build a side quest that speaks to all these things you could make an email newsletter or you could even make a published zine where you know let's play on this idea of bonding where you know, maybe every quarter you make a zine or you publish an email newsletter, whichever feels like right to you, 
where you're giving away fashion tips. You're, you're talking about the, the juicy goss of the fashion world, as those fashionistas probably say. I know a lot about fashion. I live in Columbus, Ohio, and that's, where, that's the fashion capital of Ohio. Anyway, uh, but maybe you want to play off this, this feeling of bonding by making this newsletter exclusive and making it only available to those with a secret password. And this secret password is something that is passed on from friend to friend. Maybe they get invites. And that's a way you can play on that, um, that bonding that people get out from you know, being part of a fashion community. Like the, I think you see a lot of that exclusivity working in the fashion world because I think that that's what it's about. It's about being part of a secret club, you know. Um, you know, so that's one way you can play off that. If you want to do, if you want to make, uh, let's say you want to do illustrations for uh, the New York Times book review, maybe that means, you know, you're asking yourself, what is that about? Is it about learning? Is it about feeling something? Like maybe that's even connected to, you know, the feeling that you get when you discover a new book that you love or bonding with people that love those types of books. And if you want to give that away, you can create your own version of that. You make your own uh, book club on an Instagram. Maybe you just create an Instagram account that's your personal project that's just a series of book reviews with illustrations. And, you, and you, you're focusing on delivering uh, a learning of a certain kind. You know, I might start, I could start one about business books for cre- that are valuable to creative people and people could follow that and I could illustrate those reviews because it's speaking to the type of work that I want to get um, but it's also speaking to that curiosity that creative people have and giving away this generous offering of learning and the last one I'll give you this is my favorite idea that I came up with for this is if you're a comics artist, if you want to do uh, comics that make people laugh, like that's the thing you're giving away is free laughter, then maybe you could create a bubblegum company, you know, that gives away, you know, like Bazooka Joe comics used to be in those bazooka gum, maybe you could create a whole new version of that and you could bake in as many layers as possible. You know, you could number them so that each comic strip was collectible. You could add, just like Bazooka Joe, a fun fact at the bottom of the, uh, of the comic and then you wrap the gum in your comic and you create a subscription service where people get new gum every month, right? So, but you're giving it away. And maybe it wouldn't cost you, it probably cost you less to do that than to print out 2,000 postcards with your comics on them and post them to people all over the world. Maybe you only end up, you know, getting 100 people on the subscription service, but it starts creating a groundswell. It creates uh, organic growth through word of mouth from this generous offering. But what I want to encourage you on is adding as many layers intentionally, giving away as much value, hitting these touch points of feeling, learning, defending, collecting, uh, bonding, as many as you can pour into 
your side project will elevate it to the side quest. So for me personally, when I was doing my daily drawing project and it was really just a side project, a new character every weekday for a year, I'm getting, I need a drink. I'm sorry for shouting at you. Hold on. But uh, when I was doing that project, I wasn't thinking about value. I was just thinking about um, what I felt like doing. But when I'm doing the podcast, which is definitely my most successful side quest to date, I was thinking about how do I add real learning? How can I jam it full with real lessons? How can I make people feel stuff, appeal to their emotions, appeal to you know goofiness and and meaning? How can I bond with these people by sharing my story, sharing what makes me weird, sharing what, you know, what it feels like to be a creative person and bond with these people? How can I create things that they can collect? How can I create, um, you know, how can I defend being a creative person, advocate for creativity? Uh, Like I was, I'm always thinking about how do I jam pack each episode with as much value as possible. And the more, the deeper that dish of generosity, the more it's going to spread. So I want to, I want to speak to this idea of toxic creative mythology around the fact that the only pure art that you can make is art that you love that's for you, about you, from you, uh, serving your ego, serving your, uh, you know, basically getting people to worship you or worship your art because it's so amazing and it's all about you. And I wonder why, why do we think that? Where does that come from? And I actually think it comes from this non-dual way of thinking about creativity, this idea of, or no, this dual way, not a non-dual way, this binary way, this way of off, on, up, down. There's only two options. You either make work for you or you make it for them. And those are your options. And I actually think that most things in life exist on a spectrum or exist as a narrative and not as a binary Option. There's grays, right? There's all these shades um, in between on and off. And I think for creativity, it's not about whether you make it for you or whether you make it for them. I think it's about starting with you and ending with them. And I think you're trying to find not just, you know, the doing what you love, but that they love that you do this thing. Uh, And I think that if you get the order right, if it comes from an authentic place in you and you ask yourself, what authentic things do I have to give that actually register on other people's value metrics that actually contribute not just to society, but to your fellow human, then I think you're going to start to find these generous layers Like, what do you have to give? What is your superhero, not just your super abnormality? And I think if you start, if you just, let's not think about it in terms of money because sometimes money perverts things. Sometimes money gets us confused about motives and all that. Ultimately, what I think delivering value is supposed to be about is about being a good human. You know, yeah, I mean, I think you can be a good human without being valuable. We're not going to get into all that. That's 
dicey ethical territory that we're just not going to talk about right now. We're just going to talk about, <laughs> we're going to talk about, we're not going to go into the giant philosophical question of whether you have value as a human, whether you provide value to other people. You do. That's my opinion. But let's not talk about money for a minute. Let's just talk about value. The most pure creativity that I have to give is when I find what's authentically me that is of service to other people. And you see, I did two things there. It was a story. It wasn't just black or white. It wasn't just about my authenticity. And it wasn't just about what other what services other people. It was about the Venn diagram of both of those things. It was saying, what do I got that people need? And when I connect my creativity to the needs and 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 you know blessing other people with what I've got, the most pure awesome things that I get to be a part of come from that. And and when I can center myself in that, uh, I get into this transcendent place, this place where it goes from a side project to a side quest. And you know, recently I had the opportunity, uh, the privilege to design a logo for a friend's ice ice cream truck. It's called Little Ladies Soft Serve and it's it's a it's an ice cream truck that you're going to see around Columbus, Ohio and uh, and they do these amazing ice cream cones with all these crazy overloaded toppings. They're amazing. They have buckeyes on them, you know, caramel t- toasted marshmallows, all kinds of terrible things for you that are amazing and delicious. And our friend was making this new business. And because of what I've got, because of developing my illustration and my design, I could design a logo uh, and create and be part of creating this wrap with another designer um, to wrap this truck and make it eye-catching and feel new and novel and exciting and make people feel stuff when they see this truck. And I was able to be of service to a friend of mine. And my creativity wasn't just about how valued, how it was valuable to me. I was actually providing real value to a friend that helps her business stand out from other trucks in the city. And when I was providing this real value, I can tell you my creativity has never felt more meaningful. And I've heard these stories of, you know, authors that they write these stories and they don't write them for getting hired from a, a publisher, getting signed. They, they write these books for the, their 15 close friends and family. They write these books as a gift for Christmas for their, for their friends and family. And they try to give away this generous offering through their creativity in this pure, pure place of starting with something authentic that they have to give and then mastering getting good at delivering the goods to these friends and family. That is not impure art by any means. It might be the most pure form of art in my opinion. We're social animals, right? Like we're here to be part of each other's lives. And I think if you can figure out how to deliver these layers of good, good if, you can, if you can make the deepest dish of creative pizza possible, the deepest, generous, gracious, layered Put on all five toppings, feeling, learning, bonding, acquiring, defending. 
the more you can pack into that pizza, the deeper that dish is going to be and the deeper the connection you're going to make with your audience. And nothing, I can tell you, at least from my experience, nothing feels more meaningful with my creativity than that. And nothing does a better job at transforming my personal projects, my side projects into side quests. It shows that I am proven that I can kick this job's butt and helps this stuff spread like free hot dogs at Home Depot. <laughs> so there you go. Thanks for listening, friends. Uh, I hope you loved this episode. I hope you loved this side quest series. Don't be stingy. There's plenty of work to go around. If this is helping you make better creative work, would you share it with your creative friends? They need some creative pep talks too. Um, But mainly, this is what I want. If you're a fan of the show, if you want to give back, if you want some sweet merch, all that good jazz, I'm encouraging you to go check out the Creative Career Path Kickstarter. It's my seven-step plan for finding your creative career sweet spot. Uh, It'll help you develop side quests, in fact. Go check it out, kickstarter.com. Search Creative Career Path or go to the show notes at creativepeptalk.com. In this episode's show notes, you will have a link to go back the Kickstarter. We are crushing it. If you want to be part of this wave, my dog's coming over right now. Hi, Madison. Can you say something? Let's see if you can hear her grunt. Oh, it's a good doggie. You hear that? That's her. Um, I don't know what she wants from me, but... That's Madison. We call her Maggie. We uh, adopted her for my brother. She's a beautiful dog. She's a little Boston Terrier. Anyway, she has nothing to do with the Kickstarter. Go check out the Kickstarter.com. The Kickstarter.com. That's not anything. Go check it out. You can back it. Be a part of this big thing. It's one of the biggest efforts we've ever done in creative pep talk history. If you want to go be a part of this thing, I'd really appreciate it. Go check it out. We've got t-shirts and all kinds of good jazz. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for the theme music. Thanks to Alex Sugg for editing this podcast and providing an original soundtrack. This soundtrack is like our, it's a hero's journey, side quest, all in one. It has a narrative to it. It's instrumental. It's great to work to. It's been my go-to work music. I kid you not. For the past month, go check it out on Spotify or on Apple Music. Just search Alex Sugg, S-U-G-G, or search uh, Creative Pep Talk Original Soundtrack. It'll come up. Get listening. Uh, I'm a major fan. It's all the tunes you've heard except for the starting track, which was Yoni Wolf and the band Y. Um, There you go. Thanks, Alex, for all your hard work. I, I love how you make this show sound, my friend. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I've got two more parts to this series to give you two more layers of strategy. Um, I have never been more thrilled about a series in my life. There you go. Until next week, stay pepped up. Mm